Okay, everybody, let's take it from the top. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Hi-ho, everybody, and welcome back to D-Plus Us, the show about all things Disney. I'm one of your hosts, Griffin Dino, Griffin D-Pad, and with me, as always, is the wonderful, the amazing Mr. Mr. George. How's it going? I'm very much looking forward to a show of which 85% I watched on a plane. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> the, 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 the way you got to watch some things sometimes when you, gotta you want to have you a life. Do. Yeah, thanks for bearing with us, folks. We did take a week off. Uh, Mitch, you know, was on was my on bad. a vacation having fun. Meanwhile, I'm my here. Back, my back is really red and really burnt. Meanwhile, I was chilling. You know, I didn't have power for a week, so I was literally chilling. Um, I had the power of tequila. <laughs> we had two very different weeks last week. <laughs> very much so, yes. But we're back. We're here. We're chilling. And we're here to talk about the newest Marvel show on Disney Plus. We are talking all about the Echo series dropping all at once a few weeks ago, particularly on um, checking dates because names in the back of my head. Uh, January 9th. Yep. Uh, this is the normal show, though. So I got to hit y'all with a rigmarole first. Firstly, thank you for tuning in and listening to the show. If you're listening along to us on podcast services, you're awesome. We love you. We love you, YouTube viewers, too. But so your podcast viewers, go check us out. On the YouTube's at D plus us. I don't know how to do the millet or the 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 Gen Z heart thing that they do. Yeah, that yeah. I, I my my brain doesn't work that I still, way. I still go to this one. Yeah, yeah. This is the only one my my millennial ass. This brain is the other one I know because I yeah, I, I can't. I talk to kids. My fingers don't. <laughs> this is such a good. visual bit, <laughs> audio listeners. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, we love y'all, but seriously, go check out the YouTube. That's where you can get our stuff. That's where you can get the uh, video essays that I've been putting off and that I've totally kind of forgot to exist for a little bit. Um, where you can get this show, where, where you can also get our weekly show right now, all about Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Uh, we did take last week off, so we haven't gotten to the uh, Lotus Casino episode yet. Uh, we are going to fold that into our next episode, just talk about both. Um, just because, like I said, vacation, Life. no power. Yeah. I'm not annoyed at all. <laughs> we tried. I um, told Griffin if I had to record that from a beach, I would. He's like, have, no, because I don't have electricity. And I just said, that's fine. It would have been a hilarious bit. It really would have been a fantastic The audio would have been terrible. I still want to record an episode where one of us is in the Disney parks. What about an episode if both of us are in the Disney parks? Well, that's just perfect. Makes you Might have to make that happen, Captain. <laughs> well, you know my dates. So... I got nothing um, going on. Yeah, I'll be going to the Disney parks here soon. I'm excited. But yeah, we're not here to talk about future Disney trips like we do every fucking episode. We are talking about Echo. Uh, five episodes in total. Runtime varying from about 35 to 50 minutes per episode. Honestly, really Honestly, good like run, time, run times all around. The perfect length. Like, these were so easy to consume. This This is the most bingeable show, I think, that Marvel has put out yet. In the MCU era. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of minor things to talk about before we actually talk about the episode itself. I had a weird shadow right here. Um, a couple of things to talk about before we talk about the actual episode itself. First off, um, just a complete awesome shout out to how Marvel produced this show alongside the Choctaw tribe in Oklahoma. Um... I highly recommend watching some of the stuff they've put out about that, about how they collaborated with them, because it's very interesting and 
very much how a show like this should be done. Yeah, the making of Echo that they will inevitably drop in probably like a month or month or so on Disney Plus is going to be much must watch content as it has been for the majority of those featurettes that they've dropped. Yeah, it is. It's really interesting. It's the the like I guess trailer slash commercial they put out for it was, you know, your typical stuff to promote a show. But it definitely, you can tell of like, no, this was a labor of love that started as, hey, we need to be as re- as relevant to this as we can be. And it kind of changed from, hey, we want to get this accurate to let's collaborate with these awesome people. And I think yeah, you can really not, feel it in the show. I mean, it's not the first time we've seen this. We saw them collaborate as well in What If, which recently released with, I can't remember the, I can't remember who they collaborated with on that. It, wasn't the chalk though? It was um, no, it was a different tribe. In uh, it was a different tribe. I don't want to. I don't want to make a mistake, so I'm just not gonna say. It. But I, I do think that these strong collaborations are what makes this mo- more, you know, lived in, more of a real environment as opposed to, you know, some of the, uh, uh, let's just say, military propaganda of MCU Phase One when it came to the Iron Man films. So phase one, it is nice phase to two, see Phase Three. <laughs> It was really only bad in phase, phase one and one. phase thought, two. Phase two, I think, tackled it really well. We got to talk about Iron Man three at some point, because I really do think that it was a redemption for the Tony Stark character and set us up for what we got in later Avengers movies. But we're not talking about Tony Stark. Talking about Echo. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's the one thing. And then the other thing I want to talk about before we talk about Echo is the Marvel Spotlight banner. Um, loving this. I have one major More, issue please. with it, but... I, I do like that they got a new fanfare composed by MCU director Michael Giacchino. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, really good. The, the, I, I wonder if we have the same issue with it. My issue with it is the idea behind the Marvel Spotlight banner is you could watch that production in isolation from everything else in the MCU and it would make total sense. This the, is not that production. That is not my issue with it. My issue okay, with that it is, is that the whole idea of the Marvel Spotlight thing should be how it is no matter what for any character's first solo I, project. Moon, Moon Knight would have been this. I would argue Miss Marvel would have been this. Mm-hmm. It's not I don't even have the issues with like not other things not being it. It's like the whole idea behind the Marvel spotlight being this um this kind of banner for series that like don't require anything else to watch it. Should I think that should just be the standard goal for any new character that's getting their own solo project. Yeah, because you've also got now the special presentations, like what we got with Werewolf by Night. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Michael That Giacchino. said, there is an additional aspect to the Marvel Spotlight that I do think makes it worth having, which is making these more grounded, more character-driven stories versus the you know the normal Marvel, all the world's ending. Um, they, they're making the, the, the Netflix one, stuff. They're making Marvel Knights. They're making Marvel Knights. I don't know how grounded it's going to be when the next series that's rumored to have this banner is Wonder Man. And that dude is very much not grounded in his, you know, laser beams and shit. So like, but the Hollywood aspect of it will be could. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing about this is like echoes powers in this, which I think where it might've been a little, a little confusing here and there. Um, I don't think that those parts of the show are grounded. Um, they have their grounding within the world and it's very, very well done. But when we normally think of grounded powers, just aren't in that. 
I uh, think they are to an extent, right? I would argue like a lot of the Netflix MCU stuff, the Defenders saga, like those are powered individuals, but they're much more grounded in nature. Daredevil, that's fair. Luke that's, Cage, that's fair. Like, you're, I Jessica guess, Jones, Iron Fist. Iron I guess, Fist being yeah, the one I, exception to that. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying though is like, other characters are just as grounded as those those characters, even though they have much more fantastical powers. Wonder yeah. Man, I would include in there. Ghost Rider, I would include in there, depending on the iteration. Even Blade. some Blade, even Spider Man to some extent. Yeah. Are characters I would include include in that that grounded thing. That's what the Marvel Knights were. Like, I think that's something that we for, we forget about because Marvel Knights isn't really a thing anymore. But, like, those characters absolutely are still grounded. It's just they're grounded in a different way. And I think that this whole idea of, like, and this is, the, this is a quote from them, it's grounded character-driven stories, I think yeah. gives them a lot of space to work. When they advertised Charlie Cox for this, I didn't expect it to be a single scene. I loved that it was. Um, I do, too. Did I. I, I didn't thought, expect it. I also thought they were going to be in it. New York way more than they were. Well, when she left, I assumed that the final encounter was going to happen in New York. But we'll get to it as we go. We'll I don't know if we're going to go episode by episode or what, but like. Uh, I think it's going to be more free flowing on this one. The TV shows yeah. never are that structured. But I will say yeah. at this point, we are going to go full spoilers for everything. Um, in that's case Daredevil, Netflix, that's this, that's Hawkeye, that's true. She-Hulk probably. Yeah, our general Marvel spoiler banner, in case you've never watched the show, folks, is if we were talking about Marvel, everything that's out is on the table. Uh, especially with a lot of the news surrounding Daredevil recently, and as well as the old Netflix shows. Um, so yeah, everything is on the table as far as Marvel spoilers. If you have not watched the show, go watch the show, because it's legitimately great. It is a great show that you absolutely should watch. And it is worth your time. It is very quick. It is only five episodes. And I would tell you there's not a bad It's like point two hours of content, two and a half hours of content. Like, I got through four of the five episodes, no joke, on a three and a half hour flight. Like it is a quick consumption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely worth it. It's a, is a top tier show that they put out since Disney plus came out. That said, here we are. We're going to switch gears. Let's talk about this thing. Spoiler wise. Yeah. Daredevil being barely in this, them focusing on the actual, um, what's the name of the town? Uh, Tam- Tamaha. 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 Yeah. Tamaha, Oklahoma. Yeah. It was, so good so damn good i heard a lot of like critiques when it came out of oh there's not enough daredevil oh there's not enough kingpin i'm like okay first off this is not daredevil's show nor is it kingpins although he's featured heavily in the marketing also kingpins in a lot of it Eh, the last couple of episodes i'd say Mm -hmm. but even when he's not it's his it's his people yeah, she's like, trying to to make a make make her presence known within his organization mm-hmm. or opposing his organization. Yeah, so much of this was great, like from the get go. How they used like the clips from the Hawkeye show in setting up this character, fleshing it out a little bit more, fleshing her out, fleshing uh, Kingpin out. Like the first episode, I think really like just set the tone so well for this character giving you everything you needed to know why she's leaving New York, like what her internal I, conflicts are. Yeah. The, the only issue I have with the beginning of this show, and I think it resolves later is just what's like the, 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 a lot of the flashbacks or the ancestral stuff doesn't 
connect until they connect the dots in like episode four, episode five. So there's a lot of this where I love the opening of, I believe it was episode three where it's the silent movie or was that episode four? I don't it's, remember which one I think it was. It's three. It's one of them. Like it it's all kind of. One together. of the later episodes, all of these episodes open on one of Maya's ancestors. And I think that opening is really, really cool, but it doesn't make a lot of sense until right at the end. And I think this is definitely a show that I'm going to go back and rewatch one. It's short. And two, I think there was so much context in those first two or three episodes that isn't really fully explored until Maya's powers become apparent mm -hmm. or much more apparent to the viewer. Like they've taken what her powers were in the comics of just, you know, photographic reflexes similar to Taskmaster. And we all saw how Taskmaster went in the MCU in its first go round. We'll see. I, say, I still think I still say that Taskmaster has the uh, opportunity to be one of the coolest characters in the MCU. I think Thunderbolts is definitely a chance to redeem that character. That being said, I do like that they're finding a way to differentiate Taskmaster and Echo through the fact that her abilities are ancestral. It's her tapping into her ancestral roots to get these photographic reflexes, these memories, these abilities from her ancestors, including her mother's ability to heal, which I think is a really interesting addition to this character and not something we've seen a lot of from MCU heroes or just MCU powered people. Um, it will be interesting to see what that means. Yeah. Or heroes how are that, a big deal yeah. when it comes to Marvel, although they're rarely used. Uh, I think mm -hmm. the ancestral stuff was really good in, in the show. I especially, I liked the openings, even if they didn't necessarily make sense until the end. The first um, one was weird. Like the way the show opened was weird. The first one was like, wait, what's going on? What and the then realizing fuck did I that turn it on? They're realizing I was on though that it Griffin. is realizing though that it is like the um <laughs> the Chakta creation myth. It is like how their tribe started. Was yeah, really interesting. It, and, I really um, like that. It's just really awkward to I should have been more cognizant of like, oh yeah, this is a mature show. Probably shouldn't watch this on a plane next to a bunch that of kids. That sounds like a you issue. It very much was. Um, but very I also like that each of these episodes was named after uh, one of Maya's ancestors until the final episode, which was just named Maya. Mm -hmm. It is so good. Every bit of that stuff is great. The only like part where I was like a little bit frustrated by it, and it was more just a little bit of like... This part feels a little jumping the shark is when she was like transferring her powers to her grandmother and to her cousin, I believe. Cousin, Which, yeah. Because it's one of those things where it's like on, in the rules of everything, it all makes sense. It was just like, oh, I guess we're doing superhero stuff now in the show where I'm like, okay. It's like, we got 15 minutes left. Let's wrap this thing up and it, it can't just it, be if, Maya. It would have been way cooler if it was Maya wrecking shop. Like, mm-hmm. Because I don't know how much that, you know, sharing of ancestral abilities is going to come into play. Because I don't I don't know if we see any of these characters back other than Maya, you know, as much as I want biscuits in everything. I do think that that's probably <laughs> limited to just this show and just this miniseries. I don't see this getting a, a second run or anything to that extent. I do think this is their way of introducing this character within the wider MCU and then she see, pops um, up in other stuff. Yeah. I could see a couple of those other characters popping up again. I'd love to see Bonnie pop up again. Mm. Um, Bonnie, who is uh, played by Devery Jacobs, who is also the voice of Kahori. Um, but I, I can see a couple of these characters popping up her in particular. And then also, um, oh, what was the name of the, uh, the guy Black who ran Crow? Black Crow? Black Crow. It, 
Henry, isn't that her, a... her uncle? Her uncle. Her uncle. He's the one who runs he the run, skating rink. Right? The skating he runs rink. the roller rink. He runs Fisk's operation. Yeah, I could see him popping up again. But Tamaha. I don't think any of these characters are like you know, these these characters are specific to Maya, and that's perfect for them. Like I am very happy that they're here for that. I don't need to see any of these characters again because I think unless they're outside of Maya or whatnot, it's all great. I'm all here for all of it. I mean, I just I love seeing folks like. Um... Graham Greene, the actor who plays her grandfather, pop up because like you're gonna hate me. Growing up Canadian, oh, here we go. I didn't know Graham Greene from the Red Green Show from back in the day. I don't know, did you guys get the Red Green Show down in the U.S. or probably not? What do you think? No. Um, so he he was a dude that was all about dynamite on that. Like this was okay, like a, you got a my reality show. again. No, it was, just, it was just this reality show, like this like thirty minute whatever on you know essentially our version of PBS. It was just like, I don't know. It was it was fun to just throw on a laugh at these 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 guys doing silly like sketch comedy things. And he was just, he was he was the dynamite guy, which I thought was a lot of fun. He also like, plays I know like, you from when I was a child. He's also this plays one of the so best characters Canadians. on the show. Like, oh yeah, he's such. You can tell that he is just a lighthearted, like kind of a genius. Uh, but it's just, he just runs the pawn shop. He's just chilling. He's kind of just the grandpa. Everything about this, so good. When we're talking about the ancestral stuff, I also want to talk about kind of the outfit reveal at the very end of the show. Getting to that. I love how in, like, more recent Marvel projects, like, getting that suit-up moment is so much more, so more, so much more personal to these characters now. Like, I feel like we've seen that a lot here and there. Like, we saw it massively in Miss Marvel with uh, her mom giving her the suit. We're seeing it here with... Her grandma um, giving finishing her... the suit. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I love that. That's like that's an aspect of this. This isn't just a oh we cut to a scene and now you have the suit on. It's no, it, 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 meant, it means something it meant more. Yeah, exactly. It had meaning to the character. It had meaning to the overall themes that were being explored. The idea of family and lost family, found family, all of this stuff that ultimately came together in her or Maya's sort of dismissal of Fisk as a father figure, given that he was there during, you know, some of the hardest times of her life. But ultimately that realization of, yeah, fuck you. I did have your father killed. What you're going to do about it? And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, dude. Like, that was cool. Everything about Fisk was so, I loved it. It's perfect. One of those, like, it's Fisk one of those little things. Get, like Vincent D'Onofrio deserves recognition for this role. And I know he won't get it outside of like us Marvel circles, but it's just, it's phenomenal acting. Yeah. This was one of those things where it's like, I saw some people having issues with this of like, Oh, they are making Kingpin cry. They're making him emotional. I'm like, no, nah, this character's always been emotional. It's just that the, manifestation of those emotions typically comes out in him punching shit and that's not what they're always doing with this character and it's great watching him yeah, like I... fall apart at the end of this because of my what maya is able to do oh, the and run the flashback so good like vincent d'onofrio full-grown vincent d'onofrio in this scene where he's embodying himself as a child in that moment where he kills his father is just like, they have this power with Kingpin now. Like, Kingpin's always been interesting because, A, he has been a horrifying, horrifyingly powerful manipulative mob boss. But also, he is very, very human. 
Like, it is, he is probably the easiest to manipulate of any Marvel villain because he is human and because he is proud and he has that and everyone knows it. So to have him going through all of this, I thought was so, so good. And it really gets us to, gets me excited to see what kind of stories we can tell with these kinds of villains. Like, I, I really think it was super, super well done. Now that the Netflix stuff is canon as well, I love that we have this little detail in here of like, yeah, um, Kingpin learned Chinese so that he could handle his uh, criminal empire, Business. but he didn't learn ASL. Nope. And that scene where he has the ASL interpreter killed because they're done with her training. I'm just like, this is the moment where he disowns her and chooses not to kill her because I guess decides to be a nice guy, but then has the ASL interpreter killed because of everything she knows. It's just like, holy fuck. Yeah. It's, it's that perfect Kingpin brutalness, but also there's still that level of humanity underneath all of it. Well, you have that moment too. I think it's the beginning of episode five with uh, the flashback to Maya being harassed by the ice cream vendor as a kid. Uh, Episode four. Four, sorry. And Fisk beats the shit out of the guy and doesn't want Maya to see, but Maya just walks over and holds his hand. Like the human element of that, like she can recognize that guy was being a dick and maybe Fisk wasn't doing, wasn't in the right with his response, but she appreciated him standing up for her and seeing the murkiness there. Like Maya isn't necessarily a good character in this. She's not a bad character, but she has this moral gray area that she chooses to operate in, at least towards the beginning of the series. And whether or not that changes remains to be seen. I do think this is going to be a very interesting character to follow up with throughout the MCU and see sort of where this, the whole idea of crime in New York and a crime syndicate in New York and where this ends on Fisk, presumably running for mayor of New York. And that being the central plot of daredevil born again, it's going to be really interesting to we see actually, what depths this character goes to. Dude, we could get some really, really cool stuff with that. I am, I'm really excited. There's, there's two particular characters that I love being the mayor of New York City, just because of the repercussions of that. The first is Kingpin, just because he essentially makes himself untouchable. And I guess who number two is? Yeah. It's Norman Osborn. It's not Norman. I think Norman was more interesting as the head of sword than he was, or yes, sword. That is also true. Yeah. I think head of the Thunderbolts and head of sword. Yeah. No, um, honestly, my favorite mayor of New York city comic wise was J Jonah Jameson. That's also a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. About how he just squanders all of it (laughs) just to try to kill Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, And like the entire city hates him because of it. I I love that storyline. I think it's. I think I, that's I could see Jonah ending up the mayor of New York by the end of Daredevil: Born Again, which I think could be a lot of fun. Where like this falls through, so like yeah, we just need a man of the people. You know who's a man of the people? J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I'm interested to see some of that that stuff that's coming with Kingpin. Um, and it but sounds again, like they're going to be like doing this more. Show, like the show would have been better. I mean, yes, but it also feels like the show would have been better, or at least more self self contained, had they not leaned into these things. Agreed, or added these little these little Easter eggs. I don't know if you could do it without it. Like this is one Easter egg we're talking about just at the very end of the show, right? I guess. Like with the way they set up Maya in Hawkeye, you have to have Kingpin in it. Even without setting it up in Hawkeye, with like her story comic book wise, you have to have Kingpin in it. 
Um, you kind of have to have Daredevil in it. These are characters that are extremely important to Maya's story. And I would not be surprised if we see more of Maya and Daredevil later on in the MCU. I who who's to say where where Maya goes next? I love that this ended with a uh, with a classic Fast and Furious barbecue, but it goes to a weird place in the comics, which I don't think they'll get into in the MCU. But I'd be I'd very have... curious to see. Yeah, I don't think they'll. What are you talking the romance between Phoenix Daredevil? Force, or are you talking Phoenix about Force Phoenix contest Force? of champions? Oh, yeah. there's no way they're doing that. Not a chance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like Maya, who's currently the Phoenix, by the way. Yeah, no big deal. Also, so figure like, that out when you're older. I read the comic and I still haven't figured it out. No, not you. I meant the viewers oh, okay. or listeners at home. Yeah, I all of that. Let's talk, let's talk about the actual like show stuff here. Uh, we've tra- we talked a little bit about the flashbacks and stuff, but I think all of them were really cool when, especially once we were given the context. Uh, I especially liked the one of them playing stickball. That was cool. Yeah, it was. They're also like really, really, really well shot. Like you can feel. Yeah, the, the cinematography here was really, really well done, well executed. Mm-hmm. I think it had to be the cinematography and the music. Yeah. Um, the music done by uh, by Dave Porter, um, who you may know from a little show called Breaking Bad. So what's that? Uh, same composer for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I know. I'm, I'm oh. making a joke that I don't know what Breaking Bad is. Okay, well, in that case, uh, up here's. Um, but yeah, also shout out, quick shout out when we're talking about music, also shout out to the uh, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs for their opening. <laughs> Yo, opening every song. time that song comes out on the radio, because it's, it's, it's a pretty popular song right now, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I fucks with this. It's a good, it's a good song. But yeah, the- also in, sorry, just back to the stickball thing. It, it was interesting watching this while I was also at uh, uh, Chichen Itza, the Mayan ruins in Mexico, one of the seven wonders of the world where they were like talking us through like all of the the Mayan, you know, games and, you know, stickball being very similar to the the Mesopot- Mesoamerican or Mesopotamian uh, ball games that were played back that it just like. All of this like weird history technology and like, yeah, so many uh, people had their own. It was a weird moment for me. Yeah, like, well, I mean, you have lacrosse, Canada's national sport. It's not hockey; it's lacrosse. I don't believe you. Google it. Lacrosse is Canada's national sport. See, I hear lacrosse, and I just think of East Coast assholes in America. I mean, also that. Also, here's the thing: I just like to joke about the Canadian stereotypes. So, as far as I'm concerned, you're all maple syrup drinking. Hockey players that like moose and wear flannel. Okay. So. To be fair, the National Sports of Canada Act was amended in 1994, and our national sports, plural, are both ice hockey and lacrosse. Okay. But lacrosse is one of Canada's national I'll sports. Take, I don't I'm want taking a bunch the win. Canadians coming for me in the comments. <laughs> oh, please. We don't get that many views. <laughs> yeah, I like this. Yeah, how many of them are from Canada? Uh, probably a good amount. Hi, hi Mom. Hi, everybody who's in Mitch's Discord. <laughs> um, yeah, I I really love the show, man. The show is really fun. I don't think it... Um, oh, yeah, the other one, one thing I was trying to get to with the Sorry. music and cinematography. Uh, it's just how important that character is, considering how much of this uh, show is in ASL. Uh, yeah. Which is fantastic. It is one of, genuinely one of my favorite things about the show, and I love how that 
goes back to Fisk with his technology and how it's a little dumb and like very idealistic, but not always the most helpful. But I do but, like that he went the extra mile of paying someone millions of dollars to, ve- to develop this image recognition AI uh, or augmented reality tech in these contact lenses rather than just learning ASL learning for ASL. his adopted be? daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, but the way that so much of this, like the moment for me in um, the finale of her talking to her mom and like this oh, dude, beautiful, beautiful score underneath this completely silent conversation of them completely in ASL and then how the sor- the score swells when she's like this suit is representative of all these, these things, you know, ferocity cunning strategy love like it's just such a wonderful moment that is so so underscored by that music by that cinematography Uh, it just it deserves all the credit in the world for that stuff i i really think of that like we talk about how like the cinematography about the shows about marvel is like just getting better and better yeah Uh, we would not shut up about it when we were talking about the marvels and I think we're going to talk even more about it when it comes to Daredevil Born Again, because I do feel like these street level heroes, you need more. Like, I feel like it's always more well done when there's less CG. Um, I think the Marvels, mm-hmm. I mean, most Marvel productions struggle with that. I think one of the exceptions probably being Avengers Endgame and, and uh, or the last two Avengers movies. Outside of that, I do think cinematography has been a challenge with a lot of these CG focused productions. I do believe like more like this, more like Daredevil, more like presumably Wonder Man, Moon Knight season two. I think Moon Knight season I one was really in, well shot. I would throw in the Marvels there, particularly when it comes to fighting. Yes, the fight choreography there was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is. I think that these these are massive steps forward. I think it's only going to get better. Um, let's talk about the action in this show. Obviously, like we love this, we love so much about this show. The, like the character moments are fantastic. Where do you come down on the action scenes in this? Oh my god, dude! The roller rink fight. The roller rink, the fight, roller was rink dope. fight. It was so great. What was it? It was um. Was it again the Beastie Boys? Because I feel like they've popped up in everything. In the last uh, I think years. it was the Beastie Boys. Again. I think it was. I can't remember exactly, but I had a feeling that it was. Um, let me look it up quick. I'm trying to do the same. Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my. I'm looking credits soundtrack. Yeah, I'm No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It okay. was not Beastie Boys, thank God. It was Rob Zombie's Dragula. Oh, that's which right. that is such a good great. fucking song. Especially for that, I'm just like fucking go oh man, it's yeah, so good. The the fight was great. I, I love hype. It. it felt very much like early 2000s Marvel fight scenes in a way where it was just like Blade 1 or 2 the act would be set to like Rob Zombie or like something to that extent it's like yeah, like in those where it's like in it's your campy, face, it's campy it. and like kind of shitty back then but like here it's awesome being hey, edited do a, not do not besmirch the, the 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 musical triumph that is Rob and White Zombie oh no that Come is on. great but like in context of those movies it doesn't make oh, sense yeah, yeah, yeah. here it absolutely yeah. makes sense oh it was uh, dope because they're in a roller rink 
Like everything about the roller rink was was super fun. Although for some reason my brain keeps um, switching it to a bowling alley for some reason. Um, maybe it's because roller rinks still aren't really a thing around here. But yeah, that fight was great. The entirety of the train sequence I thought was really fun. Um, both from Maya's perspective and like how her um, prosthetic gets stuck. But then also Biscuit just freaking out uh, in the car, just absolutely destroying the truck. Yeah, I think that was great because, like, you get this moment. I think it's in episode one where mine's just like, you ever take this thing off-roading? Knowing that she's planning, like, six steps ahead of robbing this train or, quote-unquote, robbing the train when she just explodes, which is fine because she's only killing bad guys, which I guess is okay. Vigilante shit. Uh, I guess. I mean, again, it's that moral gray area where Matt Murdock be like, hey, don't you do that vigilante shit. Although I'm also a vigilante doing vigilante shit. Watch the entire Daredevil season two. <laughs> Available now on I Disney+. Mean, Plus. I mean, also She-Hulk? Kind of? Uh, a little bit. Where he pops up. Oh, where, he, where he pops up, yeah. I mean, it's Fucking always... Like, frog, man. <laughs> it's always a conversation when it comes to Daredevil. Yeah. Also, like... That conversation, then just side note, that entire conversation between Daredevil and Frank Castle on that rooftop, peak Marvel. I got to rewatch. I, I started rewatching. I got to commit to a rewatch of Daredevil before Born Again. I'm still rewatching all of the Netflix stuff. Um, See, I'm trying to watch for the first time as an adult because I only watched it sporadically as a child. X-Men 94. Yeah, we're still I'm still trying to make my way through that show. Because we have to do that before X-Men 97 drops in spring. Have we been given that much? Oh, shit. We have to do a reacts after this, don't we? I forgot. Yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, I'm currently stuck on Iron Fist season two, and it's uh, rough. Um, just stop. Just don't do that to yourself. What are you doing? I, I got to watch it all. I got to watch it all. No, I got to rank it all, Mitch. Just because it's MCU canon doesn't mean you have to watch it's, it. I am broken. You do not understand this. Oh, no, um, I understand. After enough of these episodes, I understand how broken you are as a human being. Anyways, the show's great. Y'all should watch this show. Um, we talked about some of the action. We got the train. We got that. The final fight was not my favorite. I thought it was cool bringing the ancestors in. I do agree. Yeah, like the 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 sharing of the powers was kind of off. Like it didn't really. It seemed too forced without really explaining what was going on. Like I understood what was happening with Maya. But didn't really understand. Okay, yeah, she's had these glowy hand bits all season, trying to figure out what the glowy hands means. And now she can actually. She's like, oh yeah, here, let me glowy hands, y'all. Like that just seems yeah. like a stretch. Um, the yeah, Daredevil fight was fantastic. The Daredevil fight oh, yeah. was was uh, was amazing. I love how Daredevil great. just pops up for a little bit and then fucks off. Just um, enough, just enough Daredevil be like, hey, remember, Born Against coming. Like, don't you're gonna get a whole season of this shit. Also, you get to that just that little taste of. Fisk's utter hatred for this man. <laughs> On oh, just just daredevil snarky ass attitude, which I cannot wait to have more snarky Charlie Cox in my life. Yeah, those two, like that whole fight of like the almost like dance movements that Maya uses in those that fight was so cool. Like I, I, I love street level fight stuff. It's always like the only character I think that has this fun of a fight dynamic when it comes to powered characters is honestly just Spider-Man. Because it's still a similar fight choreography. It just also has. I, I think swing. what's and I think what's most interesting about Echo as a character is her disability. 
right? I think the most interesting parts of any of this fight choreography was how she used her prosthetic limb. At least for me, I thought that was really cool until she had superpowers, but we'll just ignore that part for now. Yeah. Um, when she's doing the street level stuff, like she her use of her leg yeah. is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that um, that scene, and I, I think it's... um. Shoot, I think it's Falcon and Winter Soldier, where um, where uh, Bucky is like, yeah, everyone focuses on the arm. I kind of forget that I have it. Yeah, I think that's the scene where the the Wakandans try to take his arm. Mm-hmm. It was either that, or I might be thinking of honestly, I might be thinking of a comics thing. Yeah, I am. I'm thinking of a comics a comics okay. thing. Um, it was a sparring match between Bucky and uh, Steve. Also, it does sound like Thunderbolts is going to start shooting soon. I saw an interview with Sebastian Stan. He had the hair grown out. He was talking about it happening soon. So mm-hmm. looking forward to that. But yeah, it was, this, uh, it was this whole thing. Also, the hair growing out is, is perfect. But it was this whole yeah. thing of like they're fighting and Steve's attention is entirely drawn to the metal arm. And because of that, Bucky's able to get him with his normal arm and take him, and take him down. Mm-hmm. And like we kind of see that a little bit here, where like she draws attention to her prosthetic when she's fighting, because people would rather get hit by flesh than by metal. Yeah, and it's it's really it's it's very subtle but very well done. Yeah, especially in that fight with Daredevil, where he like he kicks her leg and he gets like a, he has a moment of the fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those moments where it's like right, Daredevil's blind. <laughs> yeah, he didn't see that, but also she does a good job of not you know, focusing on it. And then she gets the new prosthetic from her grandfather. It's like, Oh yeah, you got to carry around your, your heritage with you at all times. And then she's like, no, I'll just cover with my pants in a joking way. And then is very sort of proud. And to then put she that on keeps it I thought that was really nice. Time. Yeah. Like, when it comes really to nice. um, costuming with the prosthetic and also with her jacket, her jacket was dope. I love I mean, everything jacket. about the show, but like how it used like the subtle, like her outfit comics wise was always like that tank top mm-hmm. with like the sun on the shoulder and like yeah. incorporating that into the jacket then again into the final design into the suit yeah mm-hmm. so good marvel costuming y'all are killing it you've been, you've always been killing it but you're really I mean, killing just, it these days marvel casting we talk about this every time like it's they're great at it? it it's it's incredible like i don't get how they can find such perfect casting for all of these roles like Again, going going back, like, like there isn't one during this that I didn't enjoy every moment they were on the screen. Yeah, I even think that douchebag and the the roller rink turning her into Fisk, like that was all really fun. Yeah, he playful. was perfect in that. Yeah, and I mean Vincent D'Onofrio is just Vincent D'Onofrio. I also just like in general just loved that the first like, of course the first time we're really interacting with Fisk's men in this show is some asshole who thinks he can force his way up the rank with one action. Like, it's just so perfect. Well, then Fisk's guy that shows up, I'm like, I know this face. And I was just clicking through IMDb and he was in agents of shield. Yeah. Where I remember him from most recently. I mean, most recently in my head, because I only just did a rewatch of it, but Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, a rewatch of it up until the space season. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I can check out here. Yeah, in terms of performances, I really do want to shout out Devery Jacobs again. Yeah. Um, Bonnie is not gr- uh, in a lot of the show, 
but every time she is, um, she steals she steals the show for me. Like the heartbreak in her that you see in her the first time she sees Maya and learns that Maya's been back for a little bit because yeah, of I, uh, because of Biscuit. <laughs> like I don't love the interactions between Bonnie and Maya. To be honest, I don't feel like it's as genuine as I would have wanted it to be. Like the the heartstring moment for me is that scene with Maya and her mom. Like that's when I'm on the plane. Like I don't want to cry next great. to a bunch of crying children. Like this is bad. Yeah, I, yeah. To be fair, I agree with you, but I want. Her, the way her acting goes in the show, I think, is great, because oh, frankly, yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't get that resolution between those two characters. I really wish no. we got that, but I'm, I think I'm kind of can... glad we didn't. Just from the fact of like you can't tie up all of these loose ends. Maya as a character is flawed; she has issues, and these are just some of those issues she's going to have to carry with her into future appearances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I hope we see more of that relationship because you can tell that it's like, no, they're at the beginning of healing. They yeah. are, they're not all the way there. They're there with some of them. Like she's fully there with biscuit with, uh, with black crow. Biscuit just um, acted like biscuit was her guy in the chair. Yeah. Bis- Thousand percent biscuit was so much more than the, the guy in the chair. Biscuit was the, the Get backup, the entire show in the oh, best dude, way the, possible. The monster truck scene. <laughs> was great so and just good. that the one moment with the rocket launcher where they're at the they're at the ferries like give me a second i gotta put the silencer on my gun so not everyone freaks out gives them the wink and just oh man i love nothing more than a rocket launcher act blowing up while uh, fireworks are going so no one notices the trope is just so it's, it's overdone in, in the best way yeah yeah um but then um tantu cardinal as uh, as chula as as her grandmother yeah. The, her acting was great. I despised this character at first, which you're kind I mean, of you're supposed, supposed to. to. Yeah. And like to have her come around to all of it and like for us to come around to that character. She just did such a great job in that role. Like everyone in this in the show deserves to be commended for it, but especially her. Um, the writing of it as well was great. Like she still can't fully ever forgive Maya's dad. She probably never will. I think that's understandable but... given the shit that her dad got her into. Mm-hmm. But Maya's not her dad and her kind of having to realize her fault in that. Mm-hmm. I, I love that shit. Uh, that, you can put that kind of stuff into anything and I will eat it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 for stuff. Yeah, I... I love that stuff like this exists in, in Marvel. I really do hope we get get more stuff like this. It, it yeah, is what I, makes it fun. I do like the idea of finding these three different banners to live under. You know, the MCU, Marvel Spotlight for smaller, isolated productions, and the special presentations for sort of one-offs. I really just hope they don't muddy the waters and overuse these things, like overlap it too much where none of them really matter. I don't think this does a great job of setting up Marvel Spotlight with an identity. I do think Werewolf by Night did that for the special presentation banner. So I am curious to see how the next production handles that. Presumably it's going to be Wonder Man, but maybe we see something before that. Um, That's my only thing. Anything is possible at this point. I would imagine, I would bet that Daredevil Born Again gets thrown under that. See, I don't know because I feel like they're going to want Daredevil to have more of that connectivity in a way with characters like Spider-Man, like I think they will. Like I think Echo. they will still do that. I still think it'll fall under, they'll make it fall under the Marvel spot. 
Spotlight. Well, then what does what does Spotlight mean? Again, I don't. Th- I think they're more concerned on it being the grounded, character-driven story aspect of it than the not connected to any other stuff. And even that, though things well, are. I mean, what the, what 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 Brad Winter Winterbaum said. One of the producers here, one of Marvel's you know key producers, was that the Spotlight banner was going to be used for stories that are more self-isolated from the rest of the MCU. Which yeah, I, I don't can think this did a great job of. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see it. I can see him honestly going either way. I think the Marvel Spotlight banner ultimately is going to be pointless. Um, I would love there to be a Marvel Knights banner where it is, you know, just these grounded, grittier stories. Of but like we kind of have Echo, our Daredevil. We have our kind of our storylines right now, right? Like we have our Young Avengers yeah. storyline happening. We have this multiverse storyline happening. We have our grounded heroes storyline, which I'm just calling Marvel Knights at this point. Because uh, that's what it's going to be. It's going to end up just becoming Shadowland or uh, something or to that something. extent. Yeah, like, like I can see them going down that route of calling it. I would love it if they just said screw it and called that a uh, whatever the final like finale of this storyline is. Is they just called it Marvel Knights? That would be great. Be like fine. we have these storylines here, and I can't wait to see how they play out. But I like that they're different. I like that these storylines are very different. I can't wait to see where the Young Avengers go. I can't wait to see where this goes. I can't wait to see where the multiverse stuff goes. We're going to have to wait, Griffin. You're right. What's the, next, what's the next Marvel project coming out? Uh, MCU phase. Stop asking me questions that I don't have the answers to. I mean, that was kind of just a general throw it out there. Deadpool 3 is the next movie. Um, and the next show would be Ironheart? Nothing's announced yet, right? We know... I don't even know if it would be Ironheart. It might be Agatha. It might be um, Spider-Man freshman year, which has since been rebranded to your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. We don't yeah, have a I release date yet um, on Ironheart. Like, or even a release window at this point. Did they, oh, yeah, they pushed it that far, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Agatha is the only thing I think TV show wise that's still confirmed for this year. I think that when they announced the new date for well X Men ninety seven, but I wouldn't call that MCU. Necessarily. Yeah, I wouldn't call that MCU until they tell us otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't um, know what's next, but so Deadpool three is the only film slated for this year. Um. X-Men 97 and your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man were announced by Marvel Studios Animation to be releasing this year alongside a previously unannounced animated series titled Eyes of Wakanda. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, so those three are supposed to come out this year. I would also wouldn't be surprised if we saw What If Season 3 late this year. Yeah, well, we, we just got those, those uh, screenshots of it today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I... We talked, we've talked a lot when we talk about Marvel lately about like we're kind of getting burned out with just how much stuff they're putting out because they put out a lot of stuff. Yep. This forced slowdown that they're going to have to do now, I think, is really great. And like these last couple projects have made me really grateful for it. And like you're seeing, I think we're still seeing that, qual- we're seeing some of that quality come back. Like not everyone loved the Marvels, but you can't say that the fights weren't awesome. Like, what if season two was ridiculously high quality for that show? This show is a extremely good quality. I think we're I think we're making our way back up that mountain to consistency. 
So I tentatively am excited to see what comes next. We're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. But that's in the future, Mitch. If people want to keep up with us until then, where can people find us? Socials, when we choose to use them, at dplusus, youtube.com slash at dplusus, dplusus on your favorite podcast service of choice. Yeah, go check us out on all the places. Go check out our weekly show. Go check out our other shows. And until next time, have a magical day. Excelsior.